Welcome to episode 33 of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And I can promise that this will be uh, a short podcast because in less than 45 minutes, my football team is on. Oh, I see your priorities. Yeah, well, you know, when... Um, in in difficult times, I'm finding watching football to be a um, actually a wonderful way to like not think about um, the the world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my team just lost though, so I'm a little it's, bummed. <laughs> that's true. But I have to say that like the highlight of this being the Thanksgiving holiday weekend in the U.S. is that we I have this is like my fourth straight day of watching football all day long. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all it's for it's it. actually glorious. It is. It's kind of a already getting dark, kind of wintry day. Great for football and uh, podcasts. I mean, even when your team loses, I went to bed last night before the Wyoming Cowboys faced total humiliation, and I didn't even bother to look today to see if they'd won. But I'm assuming not. No, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> spectacularly. Okay, well, this isn't a football podcast. I mean, although it could be. Actually, we could decide. <laughs> Screw technology and the politics of technology. Let's spend the next half an hour talking about uh, football, but I think that would probably not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I I would suck at that, but... Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We've been brushing up on our verbs, right? That's one thing we've been brushing up on our verbs from watching all of this football. We have better action words to describe things. Yeah. So, I still think um, I would get gashed. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to use gash, um, hammered, right, destroyed. Um, and that actually is a perfect segue into... What continues to be the fallout of the presidential election? Yeah, it's uh, pretty heavy, and uh, I think it's going to dominate our worlds for quite some time now. Remember how naive we were when we said, I can't wait till November because then the election will be over? Yeah. (laughs) Those were simpler times. Yeah. Um, So this week... Before we start talking about, which I think, I mean, last week's episode was devoted, I think, mostly to Facebook and then, quote, fake news. But before we sort of revisit that, we are still revisiting that. Um, I just have to unload a little bit um, as the person to head the department that probably is closest to the work I do. Um, the Department of Education, I just would like to take a moment to uh, articulate as clearly as possible that Donald Trump's choice for Secretary of Education could not be any more frightening. Really, she could not be any more frightening. How so? Well, you know, it's funny because Trump met with a bunch of people and every time he had a, I mean, this is, and this isn't just about education. This is any of these potential cabinet level or or presidential appointees, every time he meets with someone, everyone's like, oh shit, that's going to be the worst thing ever if that person becomes fill in the blank. And so he met with a bunch of other, of education folks that people were super nervous that that might've been his selection, right? There were rumors, for example, that he might choose Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin that really helped decimate unions in that state and 
Um, there were rumors that he might choose Ava Moskowitz, who re leads a chain of charter schools in New York that are um, super, are very well known for being, um, for, for being overly disciplinary and expelling a lot of black kids um, who don't sort of meet not so much academic standards, but behavioral standards. She's a nasty a nasty figure in New York politics. He met with Michelle Rhee, of course, who's best known for trying to destroy the unions in D.C. and firing a bunch of teachers there. Um, interestingly enough, her husband, speaking of sports news, her husband is Kevin Johnson, who uh, a former basketball player who's actually been charged with sexual assault. So there was perhaps some affinity there between uh, Trump and, and Johnson. But uh, he ended up Oh, and then there was uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., right, the uh, son of the famous televangelist who's now the head of Liberty University. Um, and everyone was horrified about each and every one of these potential choices, but who he chose was actually terrifying. So Betsy DeVos um, is part of the Amway family. She's a billionaire from Michigan um, who and her family are really the the sort of the Koch brothers, the Michigan-level um, Koch brothers. They found all sorts of GOP initiatives in the state and elsewhere. A lot of stuff that's anti-gay marriage, criminalizing abortion. Um, DeVos's big efforts has been in charter schools and in vouchers, right, taking public taxpayer dollars and, and giving those to families so that they can send their kids to schools other than, quote, unquote, this is how they rebrand it, quote, government schools including religious schools and including even homeschools. Um, and, of course, Michigan, thanks in part to the lobbying of DeVos, has, is the least regulated of states that allow charter schools, right? So charter schools, depending on I mean, what you think, charter schools may or may not be a good thing or a bad thing. Charter schools are supposed to be a way to, uh, to tr test out innovative practices that the sort of traditional school system just simply can't seem to, to do. Um, but charter schools, by and large, have really been a way to bust unions and to become a way for private, for, for private companies to profit off of public education dollars. And without regulation or oversight, that's precisely what happens. And that's really what's happened in Michigan um, with the fewest regulations. And if you look at the, school, the places in which charters have really um, exploded, they are in largely African-American communities in Detroit, and in Flint, and these students are not just poor. They don't just perform poorly. They're the they perform abysmally compared to students everywhere else. It's a bad. Her her sort her efforts have have been um, terrible. They've had terrible impacts on the children in in um, in Michigan, particularly African American children. Um, and then one more you know one more little factoid. She's also supported the Acton Institute, which had a blog post just this month that they'd like to repeal child labor laws. Her brother is the co-founder of Blackwater, which we all know as the sort of privatized military um, security company, which was found for um, found guilty of killing civilians in Iraq. So it's a clusterfuck of privatized disaster and wealthy people who not just line, line the pockets of companies, but really sort of people die, people die, <laughs> literally people die at the hands of the initiatives funded by the DeVos family. And this this is the person that Donald Trump has has chosen uh, to lead the Department of Education. Wow, that's uh, I mean, 
the the fact that education is like the core the core indicator of why people voted for Trump this is just like a continued assault of this type of uh ignorance on on the US wow Troubling. Well, I mean, it's it's really to me it's it's frightening in a number of ways. I mean, what we've learned, right? What we've learned um about unregulated education, right? Particularly at, at the higher education level and the expansion of for-profit for-profit private for-profit companies who still get actually taxpayer dollars to run what they do. We've sort of seen what happens, right? We've seen that these are predatory companies that take advantage of students. Students um, drop out. They rack up a huge amount of student loan debt. The student loan debt crisis that we that the Americans face right now is actually in a very large part due to for-profit companies. And the student loan debt fall, the the burden of that debt falls disproportionately on black people, right? That this, this is a racially biased way of marketing to students. This is a racially biased way of, um, of sort of delivering low quality education that does not have that is not widely accepted as being having the same sort of level of prestige as other schools and so we've sort of seen we're seeing that play out at the higher education level and it's really been one of the things that I think the Obama administration has tried to tackle sort of exploitative for-profit higher ed um, and certainly under Trump we're gonna we're I think we'll see a lot of these regulatory efforts be trimmed way, way back. And certainly Betsy DeVos is precisely the kind of person who wants to lead a department that would would again funnel taxpayer dollars into the pockets of private company in order to exploit um, and actually do great, great harm to the educational opportunities of um, people of color. Just and poor just, people. Just tacking on there that our president just settled a lawsuit that he admitted to scamming a bunch of people in this way. So this is not like, oh, Audrey, conspiracy theory, you're thinking far-fetched. This is like reality. Right. I mean, and, you know, and this is, you know, this is actually like, this is, I'm not just picking on Betsy DeVos because she's a Republican. I mean, I saw someone say today, well, if it's not Betsy DeVos, like, who would it be? I mean, I think, you know, when you have a Republican president, you do have to, I think, recognize that probably none of the names that are going to be put forward by a Republican president, and we can just say, like, we'll pretend for a moment that Trump is a typical Republican president. Um, but none of the names that a Republican president are going to put forward would make me happy, right? Um, obviously, none of the names that Barack Obama put forward made me particularly happy. I'm not a fan of a lot of the policies of his administration. But that being said, um, I mean, I could, I, could, I could name a couple of, U- of U.S. senators, for example, who are on, the, um, on Senate committees dealing with education who actually would probably not make it their mission to sort of fuck over poor people the quite the same way in which um, the DeVos family seems quite interested in doing. Yeah, troubling. I, I'm I'm speechless at just how what a, what a train wreck. I mean, just just the education portion of this is. I'm I, the rest of it terrifies me.
Well, it's, you know, and I think, like you said, this is such a key, this is such a key piece. Um, you, you said that, you know, education was really one of the main factors that sort of um, indicated if whether or not you'd vote for Trump, right? So, you know, again, if we think about what do we do, what do we do in order to make sure that we have a compliant, complacent, um, uncurious population um, we really do sort of twist the dials around education. And I, I don't think that, I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's very strange to me because you hear people all the time say, you know, American ha America has to, like, pull its shit together, have better schools, we need to improve student outcomes. Um, but the ways in which we sort of pull various levers in order to sort of improve schools actually seem to be year after year after year decade after decade after decade, sort of not really doing much and perhaps, um, I think, returning to problems that I thought think at, at one point we might have been on a path to fix, right? Segregation's getting worse, if nothing else. So, um, I mean, you know, do we see under a, under a President Trump any effort to, to re-desegregate schools? Are you fucking kidding me? So the way in which this is going to play out, again, for people of color is just so abhorrent. Um, and, of course, when the way this plays out in a larger, when we think about the changing demographics of this country, the fact that this, you, can't act, like, you can't actually use the word minority really any longer because um, uh, the, the demographics in schools are that most, the majority of students in K through 12 public education right now in the United States are students of color, right? And so when we say that we're taking actions, when we when we point out that the actions taken by this, these institutions fall, the ill effects fall disproportionately on students of color, that affects the majority of students in the schools in the U.S. Well, I think as we we saw, we talked about last week with the whole fake news thing, and I know you have a couple links for this week of, you know, people's ability to tell fact from fiction and 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 know whether something's true or you know how to scratch into it and see if something's true and start asking some questions to have any sort of critical faculties or agency to be able to figure these things out, um, and it can. If, affect an election that can affect us driving continually driving this country into the ditch um, election after election well I think that you know so you're referring there was a Stanford study that was published or, or earlier this week that found um, that um, middle school students I mean it was of middle school students and um, that they are I think middle school and high school students actually that they were just I mean utterly actually utterly unable to evaluate um, the veracity or, uh, of the information that they were finding online. And again, you know, when we think about this, you know, what are the things that we want students to be able to do? You know, we're so obsessed, we've become so obsessed within the last decade or so, and perhaps even farther back beyond that, but particularly since George W. Bush and No Left Child Left Behind, we've become so obsessed with standardized testing in two areas, in English and in language arts, that we've really let a, other, a bunch of other things fall to the wayside. So to me, this isn't simply a matter of, say, quote, digital literacy. This is actually like a failure of sort of 
understanding of sort of basic civics as well. So, um, but again, because schools under this current testing regime spend so much time focused on math, on, on, on sort of math-oriented and then um, standardized test-oriented sort of test prep and thinking about what does it mean to do well on these tests that we really don't actually help students do well on things that aren't on the test. And certainly being able to eva evaluate Strangely, despite the importance of language arts, like evaluating these kinds of news resources seem to be something that we're really poor at. Well, I, th I mean, uh, I mean, adults are too, right? Yeah, I mean, and 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 looking through, I've been spending a significant portion of time this week looking through, I guess what you call fake news or disinformation that's being put out there, just grabbing a couple hundred of the the common URLs that that are associated with this and pulling. Uh, the the content they're publishing, how how they're sharing the Facebook, the different things that they're doing, and while I would like to think that Facebook and Twitter and these people can step up and help uh, deal with uh, this 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 problem, I I I don't think there's stop any stopping these people because there's so much of it that change domains. They're so um, fairly savvy when it comes to setting up new sites, syndicating it, doing the social, the SEO and the social media part of it, and using a, a wide variety of services. I don't think they're going to go away. The only way we're going to be able to combat this is to equip people to be able to think about this and and ask some questions. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there are there are multiple things that we can do. And we talked about this a little bit last week. I mean, I think that there, that there are some um, UI things, for example, that Facebook could do that would make it, make, um, make it easier for people to um, recognize that some of the things that they might be resharing are of questionable veracity. But then again, I think a lot of people don't <laughs> they actually don't really give a, a shit about these things but again part of the structure part of the structure part of the architecture of facebook and social media in general makes it super easy like clicking share clicking retweet is the easiest gesture of all like by design they've made it super easy for you to hit the retweet or like button or share button without having to do any sort of well, let's just say without having to read the article, right? So they're like, Facebook is never going to give you a little pop-up notice that says, are you sure you'd like to read this article <laughs> or retweet this article or share this article? Like Twitter's never going to say, did you actually read this article before you retweeted it? Right. So like by design, these services are really built on this notion, I think, of making it as easy and seamless as possible for people to be able to share things. So although I agree on one hand that we do need to really help people become better, more savvier consumers of information online, I think we also have to recognize that we're swimming upstream against technologies that are designed to actually make it really easy for people to be dumb consumers of information. Not just dumb consumers, sorry, not consumers, not dumb consumers, dumb uh, conduits of information, right? So Facebook and Twitter don't actually give a shit if you're a consumer of information. They just want you to be clicking and sharing and doing these sort of activities on their site. That their, their incentive model encourages. 
And right. Their incentive model totally encourages. So, you know, on one hand, we could, you know, we could, we could say that we're, you know, and, you know, I think as some of these stories continue to be come out around, um, around the quote unquote fake news operators, um, there was an interview this week with M the NPR traced down the person who run, ran the Denver Guardian, which is not like the Denver Post is the Denver newspaper. The Denver Guardian was a sort of quote unquote fake un fake news site that was responsible for the story that um, I think that Clinton had had a Secret Service agent killed. Was that what it was? It was something like it was some viral news story right before the election that um, that was quite popular despite being utterly false. And um, this person wasn't was sort of not necessarily interested in undermining Clinton per se. So it's not really so much propaganda. They were interested in making money, but that they had found that it was really a lot easier for, again, you know, for certain people of a certain political affinity to share stories and people who, who had other political um, beliefs were sort of more skeptical. So I do think that we, you know, I do think that education is key, right? The number of quote unquote fake news stories um, that appeal to "Quote unquote conservatives does outnumber the ones that that appeal to liberals. Um, I'm not letting liberals off the hook because God, why would you? Um, but I think that it's it's more complicated than just than that. Well, and that's why it's difficult. I mean, looking through three, four hundred domains and everything they're they're pushing out. Um, you know, it's everything from from a, a religion religious focus to uh, something that's racial, something that's that's very uh, um, about selling herbal products, and then there's an affinity layers between, I guess, what you consider the left or the right. But like, you know, things like aliens and herbal extracts, and and living off the land, and some libertarian concepts that that are rooted in in anti-Semitism, you know, around blockchain, and so you have all these overlapping reasons why these people are are pushing this information out. But the incentive models are there. It's it's purely advertising, and they're super savvy at, at knowing the Facebooks, the Twitters, and the other services, and gaming these things, to like. Uh, automate and maximize this this incentive mo model that's all advertising based. So Facebook and Twitter are in the business of it, and these people are are more than willing to step up. And that the the that person that the NPR tracked down, he, he was said he he like voted for Hillary, and he really didn't care. He was just in it for making money. And I really feel like these are the people. This is why you know we can't have anything nice, and that's. This is why you're not going to be able to swat this down as a problem because there's always going to be opportunists out there that are willing to step up and take advantage and game the system and, and do something like this. We have to teach people to be just be more critical. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think, I mean, we have talked, you and I have talked so much about this. I mean, I think it's just a, a, a confluence of a number of factors. We watched Adam Curtis's new documentary this week. Um, hypernormalization, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'm not sure I would say recommend it to people, but we watched it, right, all two hours and, and 40 minutes of it. Um, but I think that there are a number of, there are a number of things happening at this particular moment that make, I think, people particularly susceptible to, to, um, 
to this phenomenon, right? And I think that one of them is, I mean, and this is some of the stuff I think we've been, you and I have been trying to unpack is that, you know, fake news, quote unquote, fake news isn't really just a problem of Facebook. All right. I mean, we have to like, again, you know, Fox News is, has really actually mainstreamed in a lot of ways, fake news. But even, you know, right, so Fox News now gets to present itself as being a legitimate, mainstream, sanctioned news organization. I mean, hell, like, they had one of their correspondents um, uh, was, at the, was referee one of, the, one of the presidential debates, right? So Fox News has become mainstream, even though Fox News really peddles a lot of misinformation and disinformation. Um, but then even well-respected news organizations have really fallen down. I mean, I think, you know, the classic example is the New York Times' um, role in repeating many of the lies that led us into the first, or it led us into the, excuse me, not the first, the Iraq war under George W. Bush, um, repeating, repeating misinformation and disinformation about Saddam Hussein's um, possessing weapons of mass destruction. So, you know, when we talk about why people trust or don't or distrust the media it's not simply a matter of having a good underst- a good understanding of sort of um do you trust this or that outlet right do like do you trust the new york times is actually a really fucking good question right like new york times the headline that they went with after trump chose betsy devos was that he had diversified his cabinet, right? Because he'd chosen a woman. So, you know, what do we, like, so, you know, how do we, how do we wade through, like, the, the flaws that are sort of in, in, in media as a, as an institution and recognize that people for, for, for good reason and for questionable reason have have actually learned to, in, to completely distrust the media and have turned to what they thought was better sources of information and those better sources of information now turn out to be again like you said people who are also selling herbal supplements and Amazon affiliate links to you know various weird shit online. Well, and whether it's news or education or, I mean, even healthcare, it seems like every s- sector of our life, technology is, is, is coming in with this kind of disruptive, destructive approach, exploit, and just so willing to exploit uh, everyone's lack of trust in these areas, in our institutions, in our government, and just kind of escalating and elevating the 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 bullshit that swirls around it's um i don't know technology just seems to be making it all a lot worse well it's funny i mean you know technology is it's i mean it's it's fascinating to me you know you spent you've spent the week really you know doing a deep dive into some of these news organizations some of these quote unquote news organization websites i guess i should say websites that are sharing via Facebook and other social media sites um, misinformation and disinformation. And sort of the fact that I find it really interesting, the fact that Facebook was sort of, I don't know, unaware of this 
or if, if they were aware that this was happening, they didn't think it was a problem, or if they were aware it was happening and thought it was a problem, they didn't act on it. Like, I mean, for me, it's always like, you know, this is why liberal arts and for, uh, education is really important, and you should never trust a fucking Harvard of Harvard dropout who was majoring in computer science, just as a general fucking rule, right? Like never trust a Harvard, a Harvard school, a Harvard dropout. But, um, yeah, the fact, I mean, in the fact that, you know, people are claiming that this was actually part of a massive Russian propaganda effort. Um, and that it's all so fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, after looking through through all these sites, I mean, I I don't think it's the sole reason Hillary Clinton lost the election and Trump is our president elect. Because I think there's a whole stack. no, that's gerry that's gerrymandering and voter suppression again of people. Yeah, color. And, I mean, there's there's a whole suite of things that went wrong in this, and but from just looking at you know looking at these domains, it's like I don't even know how to you know I started calling it propaganda and then I kind of just been calling it disinformation. Now I'm just like. Well, here's here's a whole list of domains. Here's kind of what they're pumping out content-wise, like a, a list of tags that you can choose from. And then here's some, like, criteria on, like, who's behind it. You know, it's like, I can't tell. It's all protected. Um, but it shares the same IP with these 30 other sites. Make your own decision. And I just don't know if I want to be in, 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 in that business of, like, rating these, you know, what they are and what they're doing because some of them... I guess people could think are real and like are you know like if they're if you're religious like some of these would you know may seem like they're pumping out legit information so it's it's a shit show. Yeah, I mean this I mean this divide between I mean I think that this is to me why I don't like the real news fake news um divide uh, and I don't like I don't like these lists that some people are getting on because they're sort of because they've sort of done or said or promoted the wrong thing. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that if we had to, or if, if, if certain people were to put together a list of quote, real news on education technology, uh, hack education would not be on it. Right. I'm not a real news company. I mean, all that I've been turned down for so many fellowships and scholarships and grant opportunities because when I say that I'm doing my work on hack education, the response is, well, you're not a real news, a news organization. And so I'm super uncomfortable with, the, with that real news, fake news divide, knowing that that means that hack education is a purveyor of, of fake news, when we all know that actually hack education um, speaks the truth and um, other ed tech publications are, are the ones who are uh, full of fake, but I digress. So, but I think that, um, I think that it's really, I think that it's, it's really a challenge. And I think it's, it's an incredibly pressing challenge, not because just because of this question of literacy and obviously this question of democracy, but because again, we have someone who will take the reins of this country in January, who's clearly, has a very questionable relationship to the free press, right? He hasn't held a press conference. He wants to hold meetings in private with, again, quote unquote, real news companies and have them be off the record. Um, I think that we're really in trouble in terms of what, how we're getting, what the normal 
operating procedures have been for the press corps around the president of the United States of America are very much in danger um, because of Trump. And to add this other stuff in the mix is, um, I think, is, is deeply unsettling to me. Um, and not just because sort of truths can be contested, but because um, but because this question is actually now going to be turned over in many ways, in many cases to be litigated, um, supported by billionaires who would, would certainly, I think, you know, certainly sue me out of existence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's this is why I don't want to really be in 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 the business of building lists and maintaining lists and databases and um it's I mean things are I mean whether it's cybersecurity stuff related, you know, DDoS suppress, suppressing freedom of speech, whether it's legal um at the hands of people like Peter Thiel, whether it's it's the government coming after you. I mean there's just a multitude of ways uh, you know, um online the online world's going to change drastically in the next four years and and i i don't know if the 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 web as we know it can can hold up under that weight yeah i you know i think um i think that it's i think that at some point and i think i've been, you know i think i've been saying this for a while other people have as well at some point this this fantasy that we had have of the web being this utopia, we have to we have to stop repeating it because it never was, and it's not right now, and it's not going to be. Um, and I think that even the most commercial, the sort of the, the the beautiful memories that we might have of a commercial free web, were still are were still a, a time when it was a very exclusive exclusive place. Um, I don't think that the web it. Um, I don't think that the web is going to continue as we've as we've known it. Uh, I think that net neutrality is already dead. Um, I think that we will see. Uh, I think that we'll see a continued deregulation under Trump. I think that we're going to see surveillance technologies exploding in order to sort of crack down on on dissident behavior, and I think that that means that people are going to move. Offline. I know that there are many people, and probably probably any one of the four listeners of this podcast are folks who are sort of feel as though their lives are deeply intertwined with technology and can't imagine a world with without their computer and without connectivity. But actually, I think that that's probably where we're going to have to be headed: is thinking more and more about what does it look like to live without these things, because living with them is is profoundly unsafe. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll only do it when we have to in this, you know, and we'll find ways. We we did before. Yep, we always have. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go watch the Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. All right. Till next week.